0: back to the culture call on praise 93.3 with l spencer smith our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800 be sure to install the free praise 93.3 app so you can send l spencer smith a message or topic idea search for WTF in your app store. This is the world premiere. Great morning, great morning, great morning, precious people. You know what time it is. It's time for your number one talk show right here on Praise 93.3. It's time for the Culture Call with your Shirley, L. Spencer Smith. And as always, this is the place where Tuscaloosa meets the world. And for the next two hours, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I am excited right here to be sharing with you about everything from society to sports, education to economics, from religion to relationships. And as always, we are here to create a safe space. That's right, a safe space to have empowering, provocative, and yes, even sometimes controversial conversations. And guess what? You can call in or chat it up with us. As we learn together right here, as I do, as we do every day, right here on the culture call, want to send a special shout out to brother Jay blazing the airways from 5 a.m. in the mountain. That's right. When it's still dark and it's still kind of cold right now, right? He's up here giving us the best in good gospel music. My, I'm telling you. And when I get here, he play, uh, passes me this baton and it's blazing hot yeah so i have no other choice but to make sure uh definitely that i keep get keep on keeping on with what he starts in the morning listen want to send a shout out to all of you who may be new to the culture call thank you so much ma'am sir brother sister thank you so much for tuning in uh welcome to the culture call family it's going to be an amazing day as it is always uh, to talk about all the things that are going on that impact our community in a profound way And uh, maybe you're driving through the city. Maybe you're at work and somebody just told you about it. Maybe you're at home and you're tuning in. Welcome to the Culture Call family. As always, those of you who are our consistent and committed listeners, thank you so very much for listening. You make the Culture Call exactly what it is. That's right. I appreciate you. Listen, I want to encourage you to do me a favor. Go ahead and go to your, on your phone or your uh, smart device, look in that app store and download our free 99 app, Praise 93.3. That's right. Go ahead and do it now before you forget because you know once you get started, you're going to forget it, right? But go ahead and listen to, uh, and download that so you can listen to me. Guess where? All around the world. Definitely in, this nation, definitely in America, definitely in these here United States. Doesn't matter whether you're in Philadelphia, uh Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, whether you're in Portland, Maine, whether you're in Miami, Florida, yeah, definitely Austin, Texas, or right here in the beautiful city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Birmingham, Montgomery, Mobile, Huntsville, uh Reform Gordo, Utah, Bologie, wherever you will be listening to us from, listen. We are all in this together, definitely. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to remember, we're at the top of New Year, and I know we've got a lot of things going on. Most people are in the moments of reflection and consecration and fasting and praying, and all of those are good things. But here's what I don't want you to forget. Don't forget to send me your public service announcements and events, and you can send it to me at culturecall.praise.com. At gmail.com. That's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. And give me an opportunity to be your public public relation marketing specialist, right? So that we can get faces in the place, right? No matter what's happening at your church, whether it's your organization, your fraternity, your sorority. Yeah. Uh, whether you're an artist having a concert or a preacher getting ready to do a revival. We want everybody, Lottie, Dottie, and everybody to know about what you are about to do because you know you feel real good when people show up to what you're doing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know why? Because we do it better when we do it together. And as always, you can write down this number, uh-huh, 205-752-4800, and you can call in to be a part of our conversation. And today's conversation is going to be powerful. You can call in uh, to do that. Definitely, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, that's right. We are The Culture Call on Facebook. And so those of you who are social media savvy and uh, tech savvy, you can definitely do that and follow us there. Uh Maybe you missed a past episode of the broadcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts and go ahead and look up Culture Call. And there you're going to see my face. That's right. You're going to see my mug. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can subscribe and listen to all of our past shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that app has a wonderful feature. It has a chat feature, which means you can send me a message. That's right. A message direct to me while I'm on the air and during my breaks. Yeah, I look at my phone to see who's talking to me. And I'm telling you, we receive messages from I'm telling you from all around the country, from Los Angeles, from Dallas from Chicago, yeah, we hear from everybody sending us good information. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab you some coffee. You know how we do it, Maxwell House, Starbucks or Starbucks, that right? You can get you some herbal tea, whether if you're trying to calm down, get you some chamomile or if you're trying to kind of get a little caffeine kick. Get you some uh, green tea. Absolutely. Or you just might want to get some alkaline water. My producer said somebody called in (laughs) and asked what kind of alkaline water would I recommend. Listen, alkaline water is normally going to come in the black label. And my personal favorite is Essentia. E S E S E S S E N T I A. There you go. Essentia. uh, Definitely, They have other brands, but go ahead and that'll help you detox your body. That'll help you uh, get down to that cellular level. That's right. And wake those cells up and say, hey, we've got a wonderful day today and let's move forward and let's get into the culture. Listen, so much is going on. I know that you all are paying attention on uh, the political front. I know that you are paying attention to all of these court cases that the former president uh, and the pending uh, GOP presidential nominee, uh, Mr. Trump, is having uh yeah all of those things but most importantly i want to you to look at what they're doing with uh dei diversity equity and inclusion and how they're treating the race question and one of the things that i've been listening to uh nikki hiley And all those talking about, well, America has has never been a a racist country. And, you know, you got to, with some level of, I mean, some level of tremendous disdain and and surprise that you would even think that anybody who has lived in this country any modicum of time would come out with that kind of tomfoolery. You know, she can't even use her name, her true name. Her her true name, she's from an Indian family. Her real name is Nimrata. N-I-M-R-A-T-A, Nimrata. But she can't use that and become the governor or the former governor of South Carolina. She can't use her uh, her, uh, name of her origin, uh, ethnic origin, because she knows uh, that that is not going to play. Uh, She has spent her life uh, in adjacent to uh, black and brown people her father could not get a job who was a professor, could not even get a job at a predominantly white university. So he uh, he came to and and started working at an HBCU, historically black college and university. He started working there and she went to Orangeburg Prep. Now, I'm from South Carolina, so I know uh, the the racial context of Orangeburg Prep. So she's built her life off a white adjacency. But you have a, a, a kind of narrative that is happening right now. Where people uh, don't want to regard even the racial question, they don't want because, uh, quite frankly, there is a a, a, a a fueling of the population that has no answer and no reason and or resolve for their intentional racial animus. They don't even know why they hate black people. They don't know why they hate immigrants. All they know is that they've been told by rich rich people who know how to manipulate the minds of the ignorant to hate on somebody making them feel like uh it is that it is what uh, one of my professors would call white insecurity they play on white insecurity and make them feel like of uh, that they are not making it and the economy and in pos- job positions and opportunity is being robbed from them because of all of these black and colored people that are in this country so they're stirring up uh you know uh, even when the former president says that they're poisoning the blood of the country you know, he would prefer that this country be totally white, and then the question would be, well, w- half of the things would not have been built if it was if it was only white, right? Most of what has been built has has been built by uh, black and uh, other minorities, right? Even today, most of the major homes are built uh, by Hispanics, right? They are, they do the construction work, right? So. I mean, this country has a problem that it doesn't want to talk about. And the reason why I wanted to start off with this is because I want to begin to have a conversation about wealth building and working on our wealth. I want to have that conversation, but I need us to come into an understanding about wealth and this country. I need to talk to you at black folks, especially black church folks. I need to talk to y'all about what that context of wealth building looks like for uh, black and brown people in the country because because once you begin to focus on wealth your the the levels of wealth the five levels of wealth we're going to talk about but once you begin to focus on especially your financial wealth once you begin to move in that area where you begin to be proper stewards over your home and family economy it it uh it creates a particular bewilderment in the majority community because historically uh, that that the issue of us coming, especially in the South, the issue of black and brown people coming over to this country initially in the 1400s and then again, you know, yeah, that that when we build wealth, it makes them feel insecure and then normally destroy and or burn down every bastion of wealth that has been created by African-American people. Uh, Because it has always been the resolve in the fabric, in the epigenetics of this country, uh, to to have us as slaves. You know, here is another disingenuous conversation uh, that was had. Well, you know, uh, well, what 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 does that mean? What you you know, y'all not you know they. That's why they're trying to change the narrative of slaves because they never intended for us number one to be free. That's the first thing. The second thing, they never intended for us to be equal, right? That the uh, the Statue of Liberty that was given to the United States by France, uh, bring us your tired and your poor. We were never supposed to be in that whole, they never considered us to be immigrated. We didn't immigrate to this country, right? We did not choose to come. We were brought in chains and fetters and in the mind of the fabric of the country that's how we should have remained. That was the fight of the Civil War. It was uh, the Southern States' rights. You know, you hear somebody, that's our heritage, the Southern state right, rights. Okay, well, let me help you. It was the Southern States' rights to maintain slavery, right? So the whole Civil War uh, was fought about slavery, keeping you and I and our ancestors in shackles and chains at chattel slavery, just like right with, you know, Cows and oxen and donkeys and beast of burdens. That's what we were looked at as, right? Uh, breeding machines so that they could have more slaves. Absolutely. That's what it was all about. And so uh, after the Civil War, you know, uh, they, they still uh, have been trying even to this very day. Try it again. Even until this very day, have been trying to figure out how to subjugate minorities, Right. And definitely one of the, the ways that you subjugate minorities is you keep them from obtaining wealth. You keep them from accessing uh, financial and economic stability, right? And if you look at the statistics even now, you will find uh, that uh, from an economic point of view, that on the bottom of the totem pole of what is made in this country – blacks and african americans are at the bottom right and so i see you know a lot of people say well you know why should we keep biden why should we do this well here's the truth of the matter the truth of the matter is y'all is that uh black economics and black wealth has been rising up under uh this administration the biden administration right and uh up until the the after the '60s, where the Dixiecrats became Republicans because of the Southern strategy on from Richard Nixon and uh, and Lee Atwater and all those people changing the mind. That's when Southern Democrats became Republican. Right? They didn't change ideology. They didn't change their psychology or the psychosis. Uh, their racial, they did not change their background. They didn't j- just because they switched parties. No, they took it over to the Republican Party with them, right? And so they love to bring up whether the slaves were freed under Republican rule. No, that's not the same Republican Party. They try to gaslight culture. They try to gaslight our community. They try to make it seem like, you know, being, you know, being on one party is you being on the plant- plant- plantation. But when you look at their record, when you look at the record of what is going on from a governmental standpoint, right, even in our own state, it's a red state that that, that, that tells you something, right? Right now, watch this, and most of these states have been uh, uh, red states, southern states. Right now, there are approximately 18 governors that have rejected millions of dollars in food care programs for children. You know that pro life party? Right. 18 governors have rejected money to feed children in their state. Here's why they said it because we were we we're rejecting the welfare state. Well, you know why? Because in their mindset, the welfare welfare state only benefits predominantly predominantly one group of people. Right? In their mind. That's the ilk that they tried to paint. But, but the most participants in the welfare program are, are whites. They're the majority of the country, and it supports them in the Appalachians and all these different kinds of places. And so, but the narrative, Coach called the narrative that they love to set is that the welfare state is something that sustains from FDR, uh, sustains um, the black community, and that is not true. Right? That is not true. That even when the welfare was uh, the late the late 60s and the 70s, when the welfare trend was going up, our community was the one that says, no, we don't want welfare. Give us jobs so that we can earn money, so that we can have provide for our families and a stable income so that we could keep our fathers in the home. We won't have to choose between our fathers being in our homes and having our families complete and having money or having a space to live in Section 8 and in the projects. Not casting any aspersions if that is many people's reality. But you also need to understand where that comes from. You need to understand that whole thing. That that they understand that the wealth base of any African-American family was the male. Right? That's what they understood. So in order to disconnect that family from the, the fundamental and the foundational context of of gaining economic wealth in this country is that they attack the man, the man, right? And so now, fast forward, they have us all, you know, they have us fighting each other. Why? Because that doesn't stop sex. That's a whole nother conversation. So we're producing children, and if you find yourself in that situation, that that means that he's got to take care of his children outside of the welfare complex. And here's the next piece of that. And talking about wealth now. Here's the next piece of that. So when you find yourself in that position and you're paying lower rent, you're paying all of that, it's to, it's to make you comfortable not to achieve more. It's to provide a psychological kind of fear that if I do better, I've got to leave this space and leave this space, right? And, 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 of course, that creates a, you know, I'm comfortable living, paying $300 a month. I and mean, my four kids are comfortable here. I, you know, unfortunately, he can't be here. Leroy or Larry can't be in here with us and all these different kinds of situations. And so it's creating a cycle. It's creating a cycle. And one of the things that, you know, this country has intentionally done, not only has it attacked family, but it is also currently, currently. Touch your neighbor and say currently. That was the preacher coming out of me. Yeah, touch somebody around you and say currently. They're attacking Public education, right? Right. Okay. Now, let's start from there, from the framework of historically, education has been the equalizer or one of the equalizers in our country, right? So our parents, uh, I know my parents and our foreparents talked so much about becoming educated, becoming, getting your education, finishing school, going to college, getting your advanced degrees, right? Right. All of that as the great equalizer in uh, because, you know, we came to this country and it was forbidden for us to read, write and to even go to school. Right. And so we, you know, waited through that uh, that moment. And then you had the whole integration situation with Brown versus the Board of Education. You had this, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson with regards to separate but equal. All these different kinds of things that's going on, because if you educate them. That is the pathway for them to create wealth. Let me say this again. Rewind. If you educate them, right, and so they created this public education, which was working fine until y'all got in it. And so there's been systemically in this country for years an attack on public uh, uh, public education. They started privatizing, going to private schools. But then you started increasing, and because the private schools were also getting uh, funding, then when you started going to private schools, uh, we don't want no more private schools. Now we're working on charter schools. And then they started divesting in public education, right? And they, and the way that public education is funded, unfortunately, in this country is by property taxes, right? And so in the affluent neighborhoods, they have better schools. But in the black neighborhoods or the urban neighborhoods, the schools are not so much you know, because, again, uh, uh, property taxes, well, if you live in these project areas, if you live in these areas where they don't have great homes and your homes are not reaching the $300,000 medium, right, median, right, you don't have enough tax base to uh, to build your school and to build prime areas around the community, right? And that has been a fight even in this country because, again, education is the gateway To wealth. The education is the gateway to wealth. And so now they're talking about these charter schools. So they're taking money all over, all over the country. They're taking money and building these charter schools. And a lot of them are Christian schools. And I'm going to come back to that. A lot of them are Christian schools. And, 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 and if you're not careful, they're schools of indoctrination, Right. There's schools that segregate again, but not racially, quote unquote, but uh, ideological uh, separation, which may be greater than racial segregation. But again, you see, and so they're taking money, and so you got governors and you got uh, state state representatives, state houses, state congresses already trying to divest out of public school education, where kids can go to go to school free. They they're taking trying to take away free breakfast, free lunch, because in their minds, who does that benefit? Who does that benefit? That part, you see so you have to understand what what that all what all that means right and so whenever whenever see, so here's the system let's let's make sure that they are economically distressed and they don't feel the 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 urgency of the country right they don't feel the economic betterment of the country right now one party is fussing about, oh, the economy is bad. The economy is bad. Well, let me tell you why it is bad. Because in the last administration, they get tax cuts for everybody at the top. So everybody who they can think about is who that creates jobs, they gave them billionaires, millionaires, a tremendous tax cut. Because they think, according to Reaganomics, Lord, don't get me started with Ronald Reagan. Oh, <laughs> Reaganomics, they are thinking that it was going to trickle down statistically trickle down economics has been a tremendous governmental failure with regards to e- the economy in this country right and so we we began once we got into the workforce african americans got into the workforce we created a middle class because not all of us become millionaires and billionaires right good deal see so we created this middle, miss middle class and so they began to try to make sure of that we would not get the tax advantages. So I get it that black people, African Americans, because we make the lease, right? But we a lot of us make more than the welfare state, then we gotta pay these taxes. And we're frustrated because grocery prices are going up and all that's happening. Yeah, listen, there are those, you know, up at the top talking about milk prices, you know, you don't even go to you don't even buy you don't even buy your own grocery. You have no clue of what, how much milk costs and eggs costs in the Piggly Wiggly or in the Publix, on your on the Trader Joe's or wherever you go to get your—they don't even know that. They got people who work for them. They got people who pay their bills, so they don't even know. But see, they're creating a narrative. They're creating a narrative, right? And when we even look now, the, 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 the level of monies that are owed to HBCUs— Right. well, You know, the last president, last administration gave to HBCU's XYZ. Right. Right. Hear me, Coach, you call. But that is not true. That was that was from the previous administration, from the Obama administration, that 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 uh, 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 the last administration, 45's administration, uh, uh, dumped all that money out of it. HBCUs were struggling at that time and they are old money from the state level, from the federal level. Right. So you got to make sure that you are caught up on the current narrative. You got to make sure that you're understanding how these things affect us. Right. So right now they're changing the history. That's why they want these charter schools. This is why they're, they're in Florida. They're pulling all the books out, blah, blah, blah. And it really started about in South Carolina under Nimrata. And it started under that, right? But they're pulling all of the history, changing it as if slavery was with some kind of work program, some work entrepreneurial program. That's what slavery was. They're trying to change the narrative because you know why? They want a generation, a colorblind generation. And as the football coach from the uh, New England Patriots, the new black coach, I can't remember what Trevor's last name is, but he says, I, I have to see color. Because if you can't see color, you can't see racism when it happens. And so people that are talking about this color, we don't see color, I don't trust you. You see the red light, you see the green light, you see the yellow light, you see the stop sign, hello somebody, don't you see that? So then you're not colorblind. You're choosing to be obtuse. You're choosing to 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 create and continue the narrative that disenfranchises black and minority people, right? So that they will not tap into the wealthiest, the wealth of the wealthiest country on the face of the planet, right? That there are some things that should not be named among us in the wealthiest country, but it's all systemic, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today as we deal with helping you work your wealth. This is going to be your best year, economic year of wealth. That's right. This is going to be the best year of your wealth, but you it takes structure, it takes systems. It takes discipline. It takes accountability. And we're going to talk about that today on The Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. I need you to keep it right here. There's more to come. This is the world premiere. And we are back right here. On the Culture Call, having a wonderful morning. That's right. It's cold, but we're having a great morning as we're talking about building and working on our wealth. Absolutely. And listen, I wanted to make sure that we understand the importance of what that means, what that looks like for us as black people and minority people. I need our community to understand and check up. I need you to get it. I don't need you to be late, last or lost in this conversation. That's why I wanted to start it from a historical perspective and really so you can gain an understanding of what is going on, right? It is your perspective, our perspective as a community when it comes to wealth, financial wealth and levels of wealth look totally different because we are working from out of a hole, right? Most of our generations are working from out of the hole, right? Not all of us but a, a predominantly a lot of us are not feeling the effects of this wealthy nation wealthiest nation and let me say that that is by design you know it is it is one thing as martin luther king jr would say uh, would say that it's one thing you create the narrative to to of, of someone that's being lazy right that they create that narrative that black and brown people are lazy And you tell them where they can make it if they do X, Y, Z, if they, you know, if they, you know, tighten up their bootstraps and and go to work X, Y, Z. Right. And then on the other hand, you create policy and frameworks that take the boots from us. So we don't even have no talking about straps. We don't even have no boots. (laughs) Right. But that's that was that's intentional because they need a narrative to continue. See, capitalism the way that the, the way that the financial structure of this company works capitalism ne- uses racism to perpetuate its cycle right so i've got to make the people that were enslaved over generations feel like they were they are lazy and they are shiftless and they are trifling right i've got to create that narrative because that goes to their psychology in affecting their ability to produce wealth, right? And now, now, here it is. I don't understand how you brought me over because of my work ethic. And you made me work like a beast, like a dog, that most of the things that were built at that time and constructed at that time and invented at that time was on the backs of black people. But now, you because, uh, because you've taken patents, you've taken credit for inventions, you have control of this post-industrial economy, and we're trying to fight our way to get into it, then you create the narrative that we're lazy, tired, and shiftless. That's how you describe this in media. See, it's all, I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand, it's, it's, it's psychological warfare to make you think a particular way hear me hear me community hear me culture call it's a particular mental and psychological warfare to make you look at yourself like you cannot achieve or that if you achieve that you can only do it successfully as someone that is doing something illicit right selling drugs or prostitution or those things that are are corrupting uh, communities those things that we fall into right? Because we've made education so uh, disadvantageous to our young people. We brought in guns. We won't restrict guns. Because here it is. The guns issue is not so much for, you know, they want to keep the gun issue so that they'll have protection for themselves, quote unquote. But they also want to make sure that they get into our neighborhoods unhindered. Right? Because our children don't have ways to pay for, there it is, guns. So how are they getting them, right? And so we've got to start asking critical questions. And they don't want us to ask critical questions and make have conversations according to this measure. They don't want to do that. And so one of the things that we've got to do is to begin to educate ourselves. We've got to begin to educate ourselves, you know, and educate our children. Place that demand again on educating uh, our, our children so that they can be a part uh, become a part of the workforce, Right. We understand uh, that. And then even when we get in the uh, part of the workforce and then, you know, are uh, there a while, they'll bring somebody else in, have us train them only to be over us. Right. Uh, because and that's that's race. That's what it is. That's why they're they're they're, they're dealing with D.E.I., diversity, equity and inclusion. Right. That's why they're trying to attack those. That's why they were trying to attack and and was successful with affirmative action. Right? Because they don't want all the faces at the table. They want all of the faces to be the majority color at the table. And I'm not saying all uh, all white people, but there is an ilk of white people that believe. And then there's some black adjacent folks that go along with that. Right. Or some white adjacent folks that are black. Let me say it like that, that they love that closeness and that proximity to whiteness. Right. And what will champion for them? There are there are quite a few, you know, and here's who they're targeting. They're targeting black men to to champion uh, the the, the 45's re-election because they're saying it's better. You don't even make the kind of money where his election it didn't how did it affect you the last time? How how did it affect you the last time? See, there, there's brandishing. There is a there is a particular uh if I can say it this way, nomenclature, a particular projection that a lot of black men have of uh 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 former President Trump if from the eighties and nineties when he was purporting himself as a wealthy, successful businessman. What we're finding out today, that a lot of that is not true. A lot of that has never been true. They didn't know how he was using racial disenfranchisement to uh, not rent to black and brown people. They don't see, they don't study, but they saw this image, especially in the hip-hop community. They were doing that, and now you got all these black men who were boys then, who remember him then, and say, that's what I want. I want to be that. And so they're in love with an image But what you need to do is move from an image and look at the policies. Look at how that affects you and what that will, does it really give you access? Well, the answer to that is no. The answer to that is no. Ask the Central Park Five that were innocent that the former president took out an entire ad in the New York Times asking for the death penalty for these five innocent black boys. Yeah, that part. See, part of the way that all of this goes, this process goes is to create a narrative, to create a narrative. And the reason why I'm dealing with this from a historical perspective is so that we can all come on a level playing field and understand that, yes, there is access and opportunity. But maybe the way that we've been going about it is the thing that's affecting us. See, there is no pie in the sky. Uh, there, there, there is. There, no, there is, there is a path, but there is no pie. Let me say it again. There's a path, a strategic path of structure and the trajectory to get you to understand this is how I build. This is how you build wealth. This is how you build a family's economy and a community's economy, a personal economy. It starts with discipline. It starts with education. It starts with setting an understanding of what the standard of our families will be. It was imperative in our families growing up that education. See, and it begins a lot of times with the parents. Yes. Whether you are apart or together, it begins with what is the conversation and what is the standard that you're setting for your children? Exactly. What is what what is the conversation there are we giving them are we giving them opportunity are we giving them you know uh 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 what what are we giving them the the words that our parents you better get your school in or are we are we on the child side when it comes to you know you know your children when you send them to school and you know the the discipline there. and here's the deal once children figure out how to manipulate the parental system, they will turn parents against teachers. They'll turn parents against doctors. They'll turn parents against coaches because the idea of the child, C H I L D, is not to be disciplined and not to be held accountable for my actions. And then we have a generation of parents that support that and call that no, call that you know what well, you know the soft love and. And you're nurturing. No, no, that is, no, that's not what that is. That is not what that is. What happens is we are causing that child to be debilitated because they don't understand rules, regulations, discipline, and accountability. Those are the building blocks of wealth building. Because in order to move from a making a check, getting a job, getting making checks, there has to be a structured level of discipline in order for you to build wealth, financial wealth. Right. There are five levels of wealth that we got to talk about. Number one is financial. That deals with the money. Right. The second is social wealth. you got to have social wealth because you got to learn how to build what? Relationships. Here's the next one. There's got to be physical wealth and that's your health because you only get one body. They ain't making no bodies. So no more bodies. You know, they've not figured out in science. Or AI or whatever, how to make another body. So guess what you got to do. If you don't take care of your physical health, and 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 you know, and make sure that you're putting good things in your body so that good things can come out your body, right? If you're not taking care physical, your physical wealth is your physical health. Here's another one. You got to your mental wealth. Mental wealth is your knowledge, your education. Your emotional stability, your faith, right? What you believe is a part of your mental wealth. And then you got time wealth. Wait a minute. Hold it. Time. Yeah, because guess what? You can't go backwards. There ain't but three phases of the time, past, present, and future. And then no more time, eternity, right? So you got to make sure and, and time wealth is your freedom. Is your opportunity. You've got to learn how to measure those things so that you don't waste your free time. That's the place of creation. That's the place of entrepreneurship. That's the place of dreaming and visioning of how you're going to make other other streams and access other streams of income to come to your life. So those are the five levels of wealth that we and the community have to think about. Let me try it again. Those are the five levels of wealth that you have to think about. You know, I'm about to teach a, a series, and I might do a small small group kind of section in our church about teaching on this whole idea of wealth. How do you protect your wealth? And here it is. We only think about wealth from a money context. Yes, but money can't help you when you don't have But you're not connected to the right people. You can have all the money in the world and not be connected to the right people. Doesn't mean that money going to do you any good. You can have all the money in the world and not have physical wealth. Your body be sick. You know, you you can have a disease, you know, and and all that money can't do you no good because it can't watch this. Can't do anything for your body and then you can have financial wealth but have not mental wealth and cuz you're emotionally unstable you have no knowledge no wisdom you have no belief you have no faith construct in your life which is necessary for our community to make it we got to have faith yes it's it's faith is the thing that helps us get up in the morning and go to work it's the it's the substance the text says of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen right Faith is the thing that gives continuity and puts a tangibility in my hand. Faith is the thing that makes the invisible manifest in our physical world. Faith is that bridge. And you can have all the money in the world, yeah, but if you have no time, no freedom, no opportunity, you have no vision, you have no dreams, right? Right? Then, hey, so I don't want us just to focus on I need more money. I need more money. No, sometimes what you need first is a vision. Where are you trying to go? Try it again because you can get a big check right now. Every every financial planner will begin to ask you every the first question they say, okay, where are you trying to go in your future? Not how much you make now or how much money you want to make now. They'll ask you about your future, and if you have no vision, if you have no dream, if you have no strategy, right? If you're not properly assessed your time, time management, then it, then they they can't help you, because the way that they will formulate a plan is that it gets you watch this to the goal that you are setting, right. And so again, the reason why I start off from the historical context is because many of us we stay in a daydream. We stay in that wishing context and we call it vision, no, but it's a wish, right? It, it's almost like we're, we're looking for a golden lamp to rub on the side right And we have no structure because we have these this this dreams, right? We have imagination, but imagination is unorganized thought. Right? I can imagine me, but no. Then you got to bring that thing down to what is the brass tax? What's my vision? What's my plan? How do I plan to build from there? Okay, I make twenty five thousand dollars a year. By the end of the year, I want to save twelve grand. How? That that becomes the, that becomes the substantive question. How are you going to do it? Right? Well, it's going to take stewardship. It's going to take discipline. Right? You just can't uh, uh, say that that's what you're going to do. You got to have some level of discipline. Let me say this again. You got to have some level of discipline. One more time, back to the top. You got to have some level of discipline because if you do not, let me say it again, if you do not. You're going to be able to be controlled and the limit is already going to be set for you. You're going to feel frustrated while the world is advancing, while the country is advancing in certain areas. You're going to be late last law stuck in a wilderness of never being able to achieve the place where you can cross over into promise. You can cross over into better homes, better schools and and have it, have more, you know, and that is, again, not casting aspersions. Uh, you, you know, against people who find themselves in the situation, you know, right? Jesus said that the poor you will have with you always. My daddy used to say, he said the poor you will have with you always. He never told you to be the poor. So I have to, uh, I have to break my agreement with poverty mentality. I've got to break my reg- agreement with undisciplined spending. I've got to break my agreement with with bad relationships. I've got to break my covenant. With bad health choices, I've got to break my covenant with with you know being emotionally unstable and not being able to control my my anger, my my you know I control my love, my affections, right? See, wealth begins right not with you making money, but having a strategy for your money. Money is currency. Currency suggests that it is a flow. That means. If you do not have any kind of plan for even your money, it will, you know, it, it's like waters. You got to have embankments. You got to tell that thing. Rivers have banks. Oceans do not. Rivers have banks. And if you don't have a bank, you might have money, because, but that those banks give it discipline. It channels it in a certain direction. And if you don't have those things, You'll make the money and not see the results of the money. Because, you know, Ecclesiastes says money answers all things. Then why do I have so many questions? Because money requires stewardship. It requires discipline. To get to financial wealth, you got to begin to appreciate money. To get to financial wealth, you must appreciate money. Oh, my goodness. We've got so much to talk about. Listen, I'm telling you right now, do not move that dial. Go ahead and get you something to drink. We'll be right back on The Culture Call with your Shirley L. Spencer Smith right here on Praise 93.3. This is the world. And we are back right here on The Culture Call with your Shirley L. Spencer Smith on Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. It's the top of the hour, 11 a.m. and some change. And I am telling you, we are having a time in here today. If you're just coming on and being a part of The Culture Call, welcome. Welcome to The Culture Call family. We've been talking about wealth building, working our wealth, making sure that we have And understanding what that means, especially as the black community. Definitely want to welcome you if you're just joining and this is your first time at the Coach Call. Welcome. Welcome. So glad to have you a part of our family. Yeah. As we seek to empower the black community, that's right. We talk a little bit about everything. And today we're talking about wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, it's a cold one out there. It's unusual, unseasonably cold. I mean, well, it's winter, so it definitely is the season for it. But here in the South, we've been dealing with some frigid weather, and it's back on the way. That's right. So we want to make sure that you bundle up, uh, stay. If you don't have to drive on the roads, be careful of the black ice, right? Be careful of the black ice. When there is, uh, especially in side roads and wooded areas uh, They that don't have access to, prime access to sunlight and all that, definitely, please make sure that you drive with extreme caution. Extreme caution. Uh, And if you hit that black ice, do not mash the brakes. Just hold the wheel steady, go over the ice, and keep it moving. Let the car slow down. Take your feet off the gas. Do not mash your brakes. Rewind, press play. Do not mash your brakes. That could cause and create a situation uh, that, um, that, that really is not good, right? Could cause you to end up in an accident, you know, and we don't want that at all. Listen, today we're talking about uh, our wealth and wealth building. And at the first segment, the first hour, we talked about the history of this country with regards to uh, wealth, wealth building, the economy and money with regards to uh, black and brown people, how it was strategically done to keep us away from being prime participants in this capitalistic economy. Why? Because we were looked at to be products, you know, property in the capitalistic community, right? And then uh, they had to free us. And they, even from the very first day, there has been, you know, just like folks were, you know, Barack Obama won. There were folks meeting that night trying to figure out how to sabotage his presidency and make him only a one term president. From the time that they set the slaves free, the enslaved free, there has been some kind of ideological conversation that's been going on in this country, right? To uh to 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 put us back in the same framework for the enslaved, whether that be incarceration, definitely keeping us away from good jobs, that Jim Crowism, all of those things, right, systemically have been going on. And we started this conversation talking about how Nikki Haley had the, you know, the audacity to suggest that this country has never been a racist country. It may not have been racist to her because she changed her whole identity when she got in the public uh, of the public eye and the perspective of Republican politics anyway, uh, from, from Nimrata, which is her real name, to Nikki because she understood just like Ted Cruz, his real name is Raphael, but definitely, <laughs> if all things are holding up, especially in Texas, you know, Ted Cruz is easier to digest uh, for those who still have the racial, uh, racial animal's perspective than Raphael, right? What does that say? Definitely, so um, yeah. But we've been talking about this whole idea of we've got to do our part. And understand how to create wealth. Context. It begins with education. It begins with the family structure that that really promulgates, really uh, holds the standard of education. Going to school, getting your work, so that you can have an opportunity to get into the to into the systems of higher education post education so that you can get into the system of capitalism you know you can get into where the money is flowing right that money ain't flowing as a as a you know you know and this and see when you you, you here's, let me let me start right here i think this is a good way to start don't get offended by truth right cuz some people get offended are you talking about me Listen, no, nobody's talking about you, even if you fall into a situation, you know. My grandmama say, now, listen, the hit dog hollers, but I'm not trying to hit any dog because I'm not throwing any rocks at any dogs. But what I want to say is that, you know, working at fast food, being a, being a uh, fast food clerk, you know, or a low-level, low-wage-paying job is is just the tricklings. It's just the tricklings of the capitalistic economy, right? It's to keep you satisfied with one level of living while there are people who are managerial supervision, regional directors that make way more than minimum wage. And what I want to say is, is that one of the things that we have to do is we got to break our agreement and our covenant with minimum wage living. Yes, as black people, it is all work is honorable. All work is honorable. But when we look at it from a statistical perspective, we're never going to be able to participate in the wealth development of this country. See, right now, we're working on financial wealth, right? But financial wealth deals with or has to deal with all the other levels of wealth. And I told you there's five levels of wealth, financial, social, physical, mental, and time, right? Right? That you you're so busy working on getting money from these jobs you don't even have time to take a vacation time to spend with your children time to to build your marriage right you don't have time to work on your mentor you don't have time to to uh, to dream you don't have time to develop faith you don't t- you don't have time to come to work or to church to hear you know you don't have time to read and build your knowledge base you don't have that you don't have time to take care of your body. Because you're worn out. You're working 12 to 16 hours a day. Shifts that are not conducive to the body's replenishing. You don't have time to sleep. Good. You can't. Because by the time you go to sleep, guess what? It's time to get back up again. Right? You don't have time to develop relationships and go to certain uh, meetings and go to certain, you know, uh, conferences and, and certain places where you can meet different people to hear different ideas. You don't have that kind of social connection. Because... We're still at phase one, and that's working on our financial wealth. I don't make enough money to be able to be in these particular places, so how can I, you know, how can I, I got to work. I got to work. I can't do this. I can't go to, you know, see my child at the spelling bee because I got to do what? I got to work, you know? When you when you're making a certain level and have a certain level of wealth and finances accrued, you can take time, you can make time to do what you have to do for you and your family. You can say, "Okay, I'm I'm listen, I'm taking a half day today cuz my son's play is going on at the school and I got to have my face in the place." Mothers and fathers. Right? But see, if nobody ever tells us that now, you can get mad with L all you want. You can get mad with the bishop all you want. Listen, I'm anointed to do it. <laughs> you know, it's been it's kind of been the whole situation of my life. I understand. But the reality is, unless you understand what I'm saying today, right, if you don't get to a place where you have financial economic stability in your life, in your home, you don't have any kind of freedom to make any other choice. You're right and so you can't even go to your, your kids basketball game football game you can't even see them march in the band you, you're missing a whole aspect of your future's life because of financial decisions and that financial decision begins with education that the family has to begin to preach and teach education again. I know that there is an ilk right now that says, well, you don't have to go to college. And that's true. There's trade schools. Sure. Definitely. I'm not saying that everybody has to go to a four-year college and get a doctorate because we know that in this kind of current economy, you know, those who have doctorates that a lot of times are not employed like they should be are not making what they should make, right? And and that is, that is structured too because this country currently, especially in the South – has a particular aversion to high education, right? That the people who are voting, especially in red states, are not primarily educated. They are not. Statistically, nobody ain't talking about your auntie or your uncle. I'm talking about most of the people that are voting against their interests, let me put that parenthetically there, are people that are not educated. Those are the people that think, you know, one candidate is the messiah. That, that, that's what they're thinking. That, that's what their whole issue is, right? They're thinking that God sent this one. God, y'all better hear me, hear me, and hear me well. I am an educated, you know, theologian, preacher. God does not elect presidents. People do. Let me say that again. This is not a theocracy. So you can say God is God is sovereign, and He sets up one and put down another. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're trying to say. I get that where you're, and and I get where you're pulling that from. I get all of that, but understand what I am saying. What I am saying is this: is that God does not elect presidents. God does not elect governors, because if that is the case, you don't have a choice. And normally, that they are that was in nepotism. Families, those things stream in families, right? And so that means you do have a responsibility to educate yourself and who you put in charge of your life, in charge of your government, because their decisions affect what's going to happen to you and your children, and oftentimes your children's children from a policy perspective, right? So I don't want you to abandon your religion and abandon your faith. I just need you to know how it works. Right, good deal. We'll come back and talk about that because I know that might ruffle some feathers, but trust me, I've come from some of the holiest, the most religious, strictly religious family on the planet. And one of the things that my granddaddy told me was like, Yeah, God will lead you. You but God does not is not gonna blacken the circle or pull down the lever for you. You gotta make that choice. That part. You know. They were having, like, he didn't came down, but he came down that escalator that he came down with wings. Okay, all right. You know, they want flawed people when those flawed people are doing what they want them to do. But then you get another person who is flawed, and they're ready to put them in jail. If you're championing for one person not to be in jail, seeing all that they have done, rape, pillaging, failed businesses, philandering and that person is a godsend then let's empty up the jail then let's empty them all out. doesn't shouldn't that apply to everybody no you see that's another conversation my god today culture call that's a, <laughs> that's another conversation but listen wealth financial wealth begins with education let's get back to the matter at hand you've got to begin to create that for yourself and for your children That whole idea is that we're going to be an educated family. We're going to, you're going to go to school and you're going to have discipline. You're going to get your work before you go out to play, before you get on those games. You know, those Nintendos, those Xbox, you're going to finish your work. You're going to finish your schoolwork. If you have trouble in an area, let's go, listen, let's put the standard back in our houses. Don't bring nothing lower than a B in my house. See, see, we don't want to do that because every child learns, every child learns at a different rate. I get that as an educator, a degree educator. I understand learning capacities. I understand that. But here is what I can tell you as a teacher that kids that make C's, D's, and F's are intentional in making those grades because they do absolutely nothing when they come to class. It's not like they're trying hard, 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 and trying to get to work, and they coming up with Cs, Ds, and Fs. No, please don't fool yourself that way. You know when you made them, you didn't do your best. Don't blame it on the teacher. I know we get some raggedy teachers. I get it. Some folks should not be in the teaching profession. But no, most of the times the kids haven't come in, They haven't completed their homework. They don't come to school. The class on time. They don't come focused. They're agitators. They're yes. And they'll call, but I'm gonna call your mama. I, I'm gonna get. Yeah, let me give you her number, then, right? See, that is they already know that the system is stacked against them. When I was coming up, and when you were coming up, if they, if, I wish our teacher would have said, uh, "I'm gonna call your daddy," and you're like, right, "Here's his number." Man, no, we were begging. Please do not call. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll dust off uh, erasers. I'll wash the chalkboard, but please don't call my parents because they were on the side of education. Now, if that teacher was wrong, they were going to get that teacher too because they were on the side of education and the teacher was a part of the education process. So, you know, when my children's teachers were acting a the nut, they were going to see me, principal, let's come on in the office. But with my children, they already understood, okay, don't please don't try me. Don't come up in this house and try, you know, and try your mom and daddy. Because now we're gonna have to have the conversation. Now we'll 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 do what you want us to do in terms of having everything you need. Yeah, but you didn't ask me about this. Why you got this on your grade? Why is this here? Well, and a well, why did you get an F on the spelling test? Why you got this D on the English exam? What's going on with you and math? See. It takes, if you're going to build financial wealth, see, don't lose the sight. Don't lose the scope of what we're talking about, Coach Call. See, here's the deal. If it starts with the family, it starts with education. It's why are you bringing this in my house? Why? This house is a house of A and B. This house is a house of, the house of achievement. This house is a house of excellence. Why are you bringing, do you think your, your your mama and I are going to work every day. Your dad and I, you think I'm working so you can come and bring this home? Oh, no, absolutely not. You ain't going nowhere. Don't get on that phone. Don't let me. Listen. Get, go ahead and pack up. Pack up the Xbox. Bring it to me. You'll get it back. I'm going to call your teacher tomorrow to see if you can retake this test. Because you won't get it back until you get a better grade. Don't hide no papers from me because, see, here's the deal. Listen, and I know I don't have no kids listening to me, but parents, when they hide papers, they know what they're doing, right? And they're, I don't know why I got this. Yes, you do. You were in the classroom, weren't you? You were there. I sent you to school. What did you do when you got there? You know, I need to figure out what's going on. And then I got to use a little bit for my time, wealth. Because I'm going to come in late to work today because I got to go to school and check on my child. All I need is 30 minutes. I don't need all day. Parents teach a conference. You got to have some time wealth. So you can go there to find out what your children are doing. Guess what? Because I'm working on something. It's called discipline. It's called accountability. Right, these are the fundamental building blocks that you're going to need once you gain money. Because you don't need money and then to buy the most expensive shoes, buy the most expensive game cartridge. But you know, you don't need school to buy the chain, buying clothes. No, no, no. You need to learn how to discipline from a young age. I'm hey, okay. I, yeah, I, you got your Christmas money. I'm gonna need you to pay, pay, get, give uh, what, what you're gonna put in savings, what you're gonna give in tithes. Yeah, what, what what are you going? What are, and we're going to discipline. We're going to show you. I'm not going to take your money. I'm going to show you how to be disciplined to keep your money. We're going to work up something. Even if the allowance is one dollar a week, uh, uh, you know, five dollars a month. Train. Have a system of where they begin to what appreciate money because you will not build anything you don't appreciate. Talk in here. I think I will. I said you will not appreciate, or you will not build anything you do not appreciate. Are you hearing me, Culture Call? And we've got to start from the beginning, like the folks say. <laughs> we got to start from the top. Yeah, you will. You can't. You will not build money when you don't appreciate it. Nope. 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 What happened? What happened to the money I gave you? Well, I, well, I, uh, well, I. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what you're gonna do. You're gonna have to wait till next month. Next, maybe this month you'll 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 take better care of what I gave you. Cause I don't know what you're gonna do. Cause I don't have no more money to give you. I gave you an allowance for this month. You were supposed to manage it and take care of your money. What did you do with it? Well, I, I went to the store. Okay, well, then go ask them people where your money at. Don't come asking me for more. See, you got to put that accountability in them, right? You got to keep all this, all this works together. that education, accountability, going to school and doing your duty. And then you give them a measure of what you work for. And now you become their first financial planner. Rewind, push play. The parent should become their first financial planner. How much money did your auntie give you for Christmas, for your birthday? How much money did your grandparents give you for your birthday, for Christmas? All right. Did you spend through that? Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to go to the bank. Yeah. And we're going to set you up a little account. Right? And, you know, what? I'm, I'm here's what you do. You pay yourself. You, you have conversations around this. You pay yourself first. Right, when you pay God, then you pay yourself. I'm still old school. I still believe in tithing. I don't have nothing to do with y'all that don't believe in no tithing. I still believe in that. But what they are doing with the money? I don't tithe. Nope, that ain't got nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with what I, what my covenant with God. That ain't got nothing to do. Listen, I don't care if the I don't listen. I don't care if the deacons over there, you know, buying whatever they want. They ain't got nothing to do with me. I fulfilled my obligation to God. That's what the book says. See, we read everything in the Bible we want to read except to start the ones that hold us accountable and discipline. That's my discipline to God. So, so yeah, but I don't believe in tithing no more. Well, you you didn't read the text. I don't think the Bible says anything about tithing. Well, you didn't read the book. And when you read it, you didn't understand it in context. I don't believe Jesus said anything about tithing, because you did not read the book. Because you did not read the book. He had to believe in tithing. Because he was a Jew. And tithing was a part of their economic. uh, Foundation. Of their stewardship. This is why he tells the Pharisees. You tithe and mint and rule, And you leave out the weightier matters. So in other words. Tithing is a low matter. You shouldn't be even tripping over that. Because you know. That is something that we do. So I don't have to talk about it. See the book. The Bible was not written for you. I mean, to you. It was written for you. The Bible was not written to you, but it was written for you. The text says for our learning. So that we, through the scriptures, may have hope and expectation. We'll have a fundamental building block of how. Okay, good. All right. I don't want to on a tangent. Let me get back to what I'm talking about. So we have to have that discipline. (laughs) We've got to have that discipline. Culture call. And it begins at home. The moment they begin to grab for a dollar is the moment we begin to teach a lesson about the worth of that money. Remember, that means that our children are ready to enter into the capitalistic system of this country. When they begin to get money. Hmm? When they begin to get money so that when they become adults, it ain't a culture shock. Right? That you, they've learned economic discipline and how to discipline. They're not impressed with money. They've learned how to save money. They've learned how to look at money build, right? Oh, yeah, I know they ain't getting but 2 two to 4%. I understand all of that. I get all of that. But they get a chance to see what savings, they get the chance to see their discipline and their accountability with their money, right? That, that when I was growing up, my parents, it was a little red book that we would go to the bank and they would look and, and you would see how much money you had, how your money was growing. It was creating a system of understanding in our minds, a level of discipline in our minds. Are you hearing me, Culture Call? I know you are. That's the reality. We've got to begin to do that. If we do not. If we do not, our children will end up in systems of poverty. Let me try to say this again. We will end up in systems of poverty. And that cycle, that generational cycle will not be broken. Why? Because we just let them do what they wanted to do. Right? You saw what it did to you. And now you're catching up. And now you have the blessed benefit. You are the beneficiary, yes, of listening to the culture call. (laughs) Yeah, hearing this man tell you, now that you are out, the issue is, is never going back in. Not just you, but your family. But your family, absolutely. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to being in the hole, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Because you're teaching a level of appreciation. Teach them how to cook. You spend all your money on that McDonald's. and Because remember, you got to think about physical wealth, which is your health. You're putting all those chicken McNuggets and all those things inside of them. Right? How is that affecting their health? Our children are suffering from obesity. Because ain't nobody cook. Well, anybody got time to cook. Well, my mom and dad didn't cook all the time. They taught us how to cook. They would buy a pack of chicken, and they taught us how to stew the chicken. Well, I'm from Carolina. I don't know what we call it here in Alabama, but they call it stew chicken, right? They taught us how to to brown that chicken and put some flour and make your own gravy. They taught us how to put the rice in the steamer, how to test to see if the rice was enough, all that. They taught us how to do that because, you know, going to the mall and getting Burger King and McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken, that, listen, I ain't met no chicken that tastes better than my grandmama chicken. I ain't met it yet. (laughs) Right, period. But they taught us how to cook. Right? That that that's something they 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 taught us how to be responsible. So in the days you ain't gotta spend no money. Nah, I'm cooking. How to fry chicken, how to cook pork chops how to do all different kinds of matters, how to put it in the oven, Put chop some bell pepper and some onions, season it real good, and have you something, some bake this and some bake that. They taught us how to do that. So in the time, yeah, we had money, but we didn't always feel like we had to spend it to eat because in our family, it was five in our house, when they didn't feel like cooking, they'll say, hey, go ahead and fry some chicken, cook some poking beans and rice. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking good in country now. <laughs> yeah, cook you some pork and beans, some rice. You know, get that them, them field peas out the refrigerator that your grandmama gave you from the farm, and and learn how to put some water and some and some at that time it was ham hocks, and you know it wasn't no we didn't do too much turkey turkey wings and things of that nature back in those days. We didn't. No, that ain't what we did there. No. But yeah, they would teach us how to do that and put it in there and let it let it cook down. And now you got you some some black eyed peas, some field peas, or some green beans, some string beans, how they called it, and and you got that rice there. Yeah, and we ate good for a couple of days. That we didn't always have to be out because they were teaching us financial discipline. That my grandmama she would give us money. She would give us like for the year. She would give us like a hundred dollars. But she would give the money to our mom and my daddy, and and she was like, yeah, because I know once you get it, you are gonna spend the fire out of it. <laughs> I could hear Ruth A. Townsend talking about you are gonna spend the fire out of it. But my grand, my mom, dad's mom did the same thing. She would give us money, and give it to our parents, and say no, because you're not ready to you're not ready to have this in your possession yet, because you've been washed it in your pocket, you've been forgot you had it and all kind, oh buying candy with it. Nope, give it to your parents. And then you would have to ask them, can I have $5 of my money, right? And they were going to question you. What you going to do with that $5? It's your money, but they're going to ask you because they were working on financial discipline. Absolutely. We've got to start working in our families now to continue the trend of placing disciplines in our lives. You will not build what you do not appreciate. And whatever you appreciate, you will discipline yourself around it. Let me say it again. You will not build what you do not appreciate. And then watch this. And you will not appreciate, um, excuse me, when you appreciate it, you will discipline yourself around maintaining it. So you can't build wealth, build any level of wealth or finances we're talking about right now if you don't appreciate money. Ain't nothing wrong with money. Stop misquoting the scripture. Money is the root of all evil. That ain't what the Bible says. It says the love of money. But you love money above discipline. You love money above stewardship. You love money, and it doesn't matter how you get it. That's the problem, not you having it, because that would be contradictory to what the text says. Listen, we got so much to talk about right here on The Culture Call with yours, Julie L. Spencer-Smith on Praise 93.3 listen, go ahead and hydrate, get you some water, some tea, some coffee, and keep it right here. This is the world from here. And we are back right here on The Culture Call with yours truly, Al Spencer Smith right here on Praise 93.3. We got a little bit miles to go yeah, before the end of the show. So I want to kind of wrap this up, at least for today as we're talking about working our wealth, building our wealth. I'm super Excited about that. Yeah, working our wealth. I'm excited about that. Listen, want to bring something into your understanding. And number one, number one, Bishop is not fussing, but I am passionate about our community and making sure that we have the viable options that other communities have, that we don't always have to allow ourselves to be in positions of lack of struggle of waiting on the government to take care of us that 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 we there has to be a way where we begin to take ownership of our own responsibility to handle and maintain our families and to gain that level of pride back not the kind of pride that affronts itself toward god not that kind of pride where you can't tell me nothing not that kind of pride that is arrogant and conceited and somewhat meal and mad and angry and male- malevolent that's what i want to say but that kind of pride that says hey this is my house this is my family and this is how i'm i'm rearing them it's a proud thing you know sitting up at my children's college graduation my wife and I sit in the audience at Morehouse's graduation, at Spelman's graduation, at Florida A&M's graduation, our alma mater. It was a proud day to see our children acquire their degrees. Right? Sitting at uh, New York University and having family there and, and sitting at Wake Forest. That That was an amazing day because we pushed education. We made it. A stalwart in our family. And some people say, you know, you know, the uppity. And and I love it when we were in school. Now I'm getting ready to get in trouble. Let me go ahead and preface this. The L is gonna get in trouble. I loved it because when I came up in my predominantly ninety-nine point five percent black school, I loved it because they had certain levels in classes. They had the <clears throat> They had the advanced level, gifted level. That's the level I was in, right? Then they had the regular level or the, the children that were performing and not in, a, in an accelerated rate, but they were doing well. And then they had what they called the special needs area where the children needed a little extra help or they had certain uh, disabilities whereby they required uh, special teachers, right? And they had it all marginalized or um, sectionalized. There you go. They had it all sectionalized where the advanced students could go. The, the you know, the uh, regular, I hate to say regular, but the, 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 the students could go there who were functioning on their level. On their level, nothing wrong with making A's and B's, but they were not doing the accelerated level. And then the special needs. And I had friends with all three of the levels. Right. But they were the school was constructed that they made certain that they put each student on their level. They put each student on their learning capability and their advancement capability so that no child could feel like or would feel like they were left behind in the classroom. Right that the, the students that were functioning at the, the regular pace or the moderate pace or the basic pace did not feel disenfranchised. Why? Because they were in the classroom with advanced-level students, right? And the advanced-level students did not feel like they were being slowed down to be in a classroom with the uh, with the, the basic-paced students, the regular-paced students. And then the, the special children, special ed uh, casting no aspersions, not meaning anything that might not be politically correct. You know, if my if any of my children are listening, they're going to tell me, Dad, that wasn't the right thing to say in 2024. However, I'm dealing with the age I'm dealing with <laughs> right now. Right. that They didn't feel like they were being left out because they were at, on these other two levels, that everybody could learn and matriculate on their own level. And that was great because we got various opportunities. Because wealth in any area begins with education, we have to make sure that our children are learning and participating and matriculating at the speed that they're supposed to be matriculating and being a champion for the children as parents in the educational system. That if you know your child can handle a different level of capacity, then yes. Well, I don't want to do that much work. No, you don't have a choice. I listen, I didn't have a choice. I did not have a choice when I you know, when I when they saw that I was in an advance and could handle that speed, my they didn't, they didn't act, my parents didn't ask me did I want to be there. No, this is the class that he going to be in. Period. And that positioned me later in life to, to have my mind expanded and gain the capacity for advanced learning, right? And so that there, there's a level of educational honesty that parents need to approach this moment with. Now, ultimately, again, we're still talking about wealth, but we need to approach this moment with educational honesty so that we can begin to track our children properly in their pursuit of education, that we're not mad at them because... They're, they should be on the basic math level and you're trying to get them in pre-cal or algebra trigonometry then you get disappointed because they're bringing home grades that reflect that they're not on that you know on that level of speed achievement and capacity to be able to grasp the information apprehend uh, uh, the, the 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 systems right It begins with allowing our children, to advance on the level of their achievement. Try it again. Rewind. It begins with allowing our children to advance on the levels of their achievement, right, and not comparing them with other people's children on who have exceptional levels of XYZ. Doesn't say that because they go to MLK Elementary, that they cannot perform the same way as Rock Quarry Elementary. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we have found our child's educational niche. And they're at the right speed. They're matriculating at the right time. And and then we have conversations. You think you can handle more? You think you want to try more? See, the, these. The, this is why I said we got to work on Time wealth, because all this, all of what we're talking about right now is all I'm pulling really on time wealth, the freedom and the opportunity to be able to manage your household well, to manage your children well, that they're not coming behind in anything, that they are on the right level. And when they can do better, we put them in programs where they could do better. I don't know if they still do gifted and talented testing and all that. I don't know what they're doing currently in the educational system. But yes. Yes, that, that, that you don't you don't allow your children to just take the easy way out because resolvedly those things could end up and allowing them to be able to choose wealth passages, wealth opportunities and options. Right? The best thing that you can do for your children right now is to create as many educational options for advancement for them. And that means you as the parent, we as parents have to pay attention. We as parents have to pay attention. Right? And if we do not pay attention, our children will be late, last, and lost. Yeah. And we cannot have that. I don't know about you, but 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 I can't I, I can't have that. My children had to be functioning, had to be functioning. All of them are adults now, but they had to be functioning at a certain level of advancement. And even today, you know, while they are adults, I expect them to call home and say, hey, dad, I, I got this promotion. I got this. They're, yes, I, that I expect that's an expectation that, 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 uh, that their mother and I have for them because we created that when they were children right see my thing is simply this here i go my thing is simply this do not see don't keep your eyes on your own paper keep your eyes on your own paper find out what's happening with your children what level they're on and push them to that level yes push them and encourage them to be on that level Let them know that you are with them, what? Every step of the way. Every step of the way. And don't give them any convenient out because it's going to affect their financial wealth. It is. The text says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And then he says this. He says, not because knowledge is not offered to you, but because you have rejected knowledge. And we're in a stage and a page and an age where we cannot reject knowledge. We've got to teach our children how to fall in love with education, how to fall in love with the options uh, that, that are being presented to them, how to make the best, how to make the best of a situation that they're in. And I grew up in a rural school, so don't tell me, well, you know, they got... No, 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 no. I grew up in a rural school, a country school. I did. Top of my class. And from that school, I was able to get to Florida A&M University as a presidential scholar. Hello. So don't tell me about what your... Nope, nope, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't make any excuses because I'm work it, it it gave me opportunity so I could be at the stage in the place and have the options and uh that that I had so that I could be the best so I could make the the money so I could learn and and, and be where I am now see you got to have a vision you got to have a vision I was so proud of that day when I when my at the time my parents were living in South Carolina they were still living there and I was proud of that day that I could invite them to my house and have them see my house. And they were like, my God, son, we are proud of you. Look at what y'all did. Yes, absolutely. I was grateful when I could move them here, you know, and and, and cause them to live better than they had ever lived in their entire life. That, because, they get, because they gave me what? options, right? That it didn't, it wasn't, it, that 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 I could make enough, that I could earn enough, my wife and I, and we could build something that we could create a system of saying, okay, now a conditionality, the, a mentality in our children and say, now y'all got to take it to the next level. We ain't going backwards. We are not going backwards. My wife and I, over the holiday, we had a conversation with our children about this entire subject. And told them, you know, how how it is and set them up with a financial planner to talk about their lives, to get their lives together. Because we're not going backwards. See, in order for you to to really have your, your skin in the game, you've got to have a plan. That's all I'm saying. And the plan will work if you work it. Wealth is on the way, but it's going to require an appreciation for your money, for relationships, for your health, for your faith and knowledge, your education, and for your time and freedom. you got to create a pr- appreciation for all of that, right? Listen, listen. We've got a little bit more to go. We're almost at the end, but I need you all to keep it right here, right on The Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. This is the world What an amazing show we have had today. I pray, it is my esteemed prayer that you have learned something, Culture Call, as it relates to wealth and working on your wealth. So much more we've got to say about it, and we will, going through the levels of wealth. And I believe that at the head spring of the year, we need to have this conversation. And I want to approach it from a different perspective, though, because... A lot of time a lot of times when we talk about wealth and we talk about, you know, uh maintaining, we talk about financial and that was that's it. You know. But the text says that a good man leaves an inheritance inheritance to his children's children. The wealth of the wicked are laid up for the just. And I get that. The wealth is not just financial. The wealth has to deal with those five areas that I just told you about. Yeah, those five areas that that you have to have your financial health. Yeah, money, but you got to have your social wealth. You got to have your relationships, right? Because everybody don't need to be in your life. Who who are your friends? You show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? And so we got it. And then the physical wealth. How are you treating your body? My God, today. How are you treating your body? That's an important question. That's right. How many medications are you on? And here's the truth. How many of them that if you just exercise and changed your eating, could you get off of? If you took your stress level down, how many of those prescriptions would change? How many of The things that that ail you have to deal with your lack of discipline when you were younger. Yes, absolutely. So our physical wealth we need to look at. And then our mental wealth, peace, your knowledge, your education, your wisdom, your imagination, your faith. How does all that look now? Then finally, your time, your freedom, your opportunities to dream, to envision, to create. All of those five streams are wealths, are levels of wealth that we all need to understand that the wicked leave their children. and that that But those levels of wealth, we can learn from them. We can glean from them. Oh, that's a wicked person. I'm going to get all of mine at the Bible. Okay. All right. But I, here, 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 here's a Bible man telling you that you got to be able to read a multiplicity and learn a multiplicity from era, er, every area. Because guess what? Even wicked people can teach you what not to do. Right? There's a lesson to be learned even there. And so you got to start thinking about that to protect and work on your wealth in 2024. listen. We're at the end of our broadcast, but like my grandmama and my mama would say at the end of every phone call, I love you a bushel, I love you a peck, and I love you a hug around the neck. This is yours truly, L. Smith, signing off for another show, right? The culture call right here on Praise 93.3, your inspiration station, your number one station for gospel music. You want to keep it right here. I'm telling you, go out today, be intentional about who you love Do good to people and be at peace. God bless.